They showboat is noticed wherever they go. They dazzle you with their charm and professionalism. Welcome aboard the Silver Dollar Showboats. That voice that you just heard is that of Scott Stevenson, better known as the Silver Dollar Man. The showboat that is my guest today is trilingual, born in Boston, yes, an East Coast guy, and this guy always outdresses me. And nobody can say that, that they can outdress me. And the showboat we have today is Tony Farias with American Pacific Mortgage. And Tony was on another podcast. I was so impressed with your four pillars for mortgage. Thank you. I mean, I really thought, I mean, we've done a lot of podcasts over the course of the last several years, and that was actually one of my favorites because it was so succinct and intelligently delivered. Thank you. Uh, so I, I wanted to dig a little bit more into your particular background. Okay. You got into the mortgage business when? Maybe? Oh, wait. Oh, wait, right when the crash Right came. when the crash How happened. did you decide to do that? One of the things for me, Scott, is that I've always wanted to be in the real estate field. I can't tell you how old I was when that thought popped into my mind, but I know that it developed from a quote, and I believe it's a Mark Twain quote where they're basically saying that they're not making any more land. So you yeah. should buy a home or basically yeah. invest in that. So to me, this field is like kind of like getting a haircut that it's always going to be needed. We we'll always need haircuts. So we always need barbers. The same thing with real estate agents, mortgage lenders, title people, um, marketing people like you guys sure. here yourself mm-hmm. at Title One. They're always going to need that because people need places to live. Yeah. Oh. You know, the, the, the community here in Salt Lake is expanding. It's always been family-based and a lot of those people have kids and they're going to move up and I'm just here to help out the community and get people in the homes. I'm really driven and passionate about getting people in the homes. Yeah, and I know you are. And let's, I, I want to go back a little bit. Let's just, let's get back to your roots. Sure. Uh, a Boston guy. Yeah, born in Boston, raised in Salt Lake. <laughs> East Coast blood with West Coast love. <laughs> That's kind of how I am right now. I've been here a few years, but you know, you know me. Sure. Utah has so much to offer. So when did you move from Boston? I've been here 30, 35 plus years, give or take. So. Yeah giving you my age there and that's okay. I only spent small time in Boston, to be honest with you, maybe to about one and a half, two years. So I was a little baby, a little kid, a little toddler, whatever you want to call it. My mom decided to move us out to Los Angeles because she's really close with my my aunt. Mm-hmm. And they were out there uh, in Los Angeles. We were out there for a couple of years and my aunt moved up to Utah. Work purposes, Utah was still small at that point in time or Salt Lake. Yeah. It was mm-hmm. an opportunity for, for work. And uh, my mom followed up here with my aunt and we kind of stayed here. And like I said, Elementary school, junior high, high school, college stuff here has always been in Utah. Now, so is your were you raised in a single mother home, or I did was. you have a stepfather later? Yeah, or I, uh, my my mom was a single mom till about I uh, was about 12, 11 years old. Uh, she met and married my stepdad, who was a, a great man, and helped raise me in in my teenage years, my difficult years <laughs> yeah. sometimes. Right? He's always been a really great example. I, I'm I'll be honest with you, he's not a man who he's going to walk in here with the suit and tie. He's He's a, he's, a, he's a guy who works hard every day. He's prideful about being to work on time and staying and doing whatever he had to do. He did whatever he had to do to get me through school. I went through private school. I went to Judge Mbroa for a couple of years. And I remember, man, he would work two jobs to help me help my mom put food on the table and do whatever he had to do. But I know some of that was because my mom wanted to send me to private school and he was there to to fit the bill. Yeah, and I'm, I'm his only kid. He doesn't have other children. Oh, he so doesn't. I'm, I'm do you have son. other siblings from? Uh, I do from, I do from my dad's side of the yep. family. Mm-hmm. So I have other brothers. I think we're a total of seven, if I remember correct. Mm-hmm. So other brothers and, and a sister that I'm very close with. So are you close to all of them or just your sister? I'm close to all of them on a scale to one to 10, maybe a five. So not super close, Yeah. but my sister, she's probably an eight or nine. Well, so now where are your roots come from? I mean, we got your last name. Mm-hmm. Um, where are the roots from? So dad's from Ecuador, mom's from Guatemala. Yeah. Dad's side of the family goes back a little bit further from the other side of the world, from Greece, things yeah. of that matter. Oh. So my uh, my actual first name is Socrates. Socrates, really? Yeah, so that's my first name. So it comes from my dad's side of the family, a little bit of uh, Greek roots that we have there. And uh, like I said, the dad's from Ecuador, mom's from Guatemala, and that's where they taught me the Spanish. Well, you know, I love, um, you know, the Greek uh, heritage there. My father actually was the first person to graduate from Brigham Young University in Greek. Oh, really? As wow. a major. Okay, yeah. I didn't and, know that. And awesome. we almost went, uh, because we went back to Washington. He went back to Washington, D.C. with my family. We almost ended up going and living in Greece for a while. Oh, that would have been cool. Uh, and my siblings, older siblings, I'm seven of eight. Sure. My older siblings took Greek 
classes. That's wow. how close it was that uh, that we were going to go. Okay, that's so, really cool. So speaking of languages, you have three languages. So what, what are those languages? So English, mm -hmm. obviously number one. Uh, Spanish is my number two. And then sign language is my number three. And how did you learn sign? And why? Son. Oh, sure. Great question. Great question. I have an older son who is uh, hearing impaired. He's deaf. So between he and I and the rest of the family, we grew up in a deaf community. And um, because of his uh, deafness is the reason why I was able to learn sign language. And I say that I'm a, a sign language is a conversation used with your hands. And I'm a conversational sign languages, sign language person, I guess you could say. Yeah. Um, how proficient am I? I'd probably say, I always rate everything from a one to 10. I'd probably say probably about a six, seven. So, I mean, mm -hmm. I've always have an ability to learn more and grow. And, and um, I need to do that because that community is really special to me because my son is super, super, super special to me. And how old is your son? He's 25. Oh, he's 25? Yeah, he's not a kid He's no 25, exactly. Yeah, I got a lot, <laughs> some that are a lot older than that. <laughs> I gotcha. We can share some stories later on that, huh? <laughs> yeah, for sure. So do you find, there are a couple of questions that I have. So do you find, when you when you got here to Utah, did you find acceptance easy? And then let's talk about the deaf community a little bit. Sure. Because I don't hear much about it. Okay. Because if, unless you're involved in it, uh, it's just one of those things that doesn't get it's brought up community. in a conversation. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. So the first part is that you asked me was kind of my, I think you kind of want to know my upbringing, a little bit of my impact of, yeah. of how Utah was to me. Look, when I got here, I was first grader maybe, yeah. you know, and what I remember about that is going to elementary school, having uh, actually a, a pretty good array of friends, uh, kids in school, anywhere from a Hispanic Caucasian, Native American, Polynesian kids, so kind of a, a, a an eclectic. And it's not, and I and I went to um, elementary school, uh, eighth east, four south, Benyon Elementary. So I mean, it was a good little area by yeah. by the universities. But you know, over the years, I think back and I reflect on how much Utah has grown because Utah is predominantly white. Yeah. Call it what it is; sure. it always has been. And I love seeing that the Hispanic community is growing so much here. I love seeing the diversity of just different people coming into the state and making it that much more diverse, making it grow, and just being able to just see the growth has been awesome. I always felt included. There's never a time that I didn't feel included. Maybe there were moments where I felt a little bit off. Yeah. But I think that just goes with the territory. And it, and yeah, almost it everybody of, feels off sometimes. Exactly. Yeah, it kind of feel off. I mean, do I ever feel that I wasn't included? Not that I can say, but I'm just not that type of person where I, where I, where I hold on to past yeah. bads, you know, past bad emotions. I kind of just take what's coming to me. I take it at that moment and just kind of let it go. I, I'm I, I, A lot of bad things that have happened, I, I you'd have to bring it up to me to me to remember because I just focus so much on the goods. I love that. Yeah, you know, so I, a question I've always had because, of course, if anybody who's ever listened to any podcast I've been involved with know that I'm from the Washington, D.C. area, Maryland. So I was raised in a completely different uh, arena. I I wonder, is there a, a positive aspect to a lot of people serve LDS missions that go to different lands that makes them a little more accepting? Is that Have you found that in, in your adult life? You certainly wouldn't have known that as a kid. Um, that's a good question. I think, yeah, definitely. Because I think these young men go out on a mission at an early age. They come back usually, especially if they serve in another country yeah. with another language and a little bit of that culture where they now see the world different. Yeah. You, you know, the, the, the missionaries are from the LDS church, obviously. Yeah. And they, they're, they're raised in a certain environment, a certain set of values. And that's great, but they go outside the church and a lot of these kids who go on missions they come from not all of them, but a lot of them. I would figure come from a family that's a little bit well off. Yeah, um, because it's not a cheap. From what I'm yeah. told, it's not a cheap expense, right? Yeah. So they uh, they go out to these missions and they see what real poorness is. Yeah. Well, interesting. You should say that because you know I went to Argentina. I left from Maryland and went to Argentina. Sure. And uh, at 19 years old, the whole world focused around me. But when I got out there. And I went down and I was I saw some of the living conditions that people were living under. I had a completely different oh, yeah. uh, experience and it kind of shifts your mindset from in to out. Sure. Um, I could see that. Of course it can shift back in when you get back because you have a tendency to sure. get spoiled. But again. hopefully you appreciate it a little bit yes. more. Yes. 
Yes, you do. And I, uh, and I guess that's part of the reason why I asked the question because um, there is a certain amount of, um, I don't know, love, connection that is in my heart every time I hear Spanish. Gotcha. Uh, even sure. though Argentinian is a little bit different. Sure, they all are. You know, mm -hmm. They're all, they all yeah, have their little dialect mm -hmm. and whatnot. But For sure. if, if you serve people, you end up loving people. I agree. That's a good one. I, I agree, though. You do. Yeah, you do you a really lot do. because you're, you know, you're, you feel good about giving back. You know, I just got off a phone call with a guy who's uh, trying to buy a per, buy a home from a guy that I know. I, I said, look, there's a couple of things that I think you should keep in mind for what you're trying to do and just giving him some points. And he's, like I said, he's not a client of mine, nothing. He just called me because somebody gave him my number because I yeah. have some ties to his house. But I felt really good about talking to him and giving him some points. And I mean, I think the, after talking to him, I know he's a smart man, but I know I left him better off than I found him. Well, you know, there's even though there's a lot of smart people, and most people think they're smarter than they are because they're smart in whatever their category sure. is. And so what happens is, is a lot of times, at least in, in my viewpoint, is that very smart people think that they're smart in everything, but they're really <laughs> smart in some things. Sure. And that's why they need somebody like you to kind of walk them through that process because the first step in getting a home is – Talking to me. Talking to you. Yeah. <laughs> true, right. True. Right on. Because yeah. I mean, and sometimes they go to a realtor. What would you what would you recommend? Going to a realtor first or you? You know, they usually call a, a real estate person, but that real estate person just sends them back to me. Right. You know, because there's two sides of this. There's the real estate side of buying and selling the actual property, but then there's my side where I actually figuring out on paper who they are. And real estate agents, they're not trained for that, but I am. I know there are a lot of different companies in the state of Utah that that lend. Sure, tons. Get, yeah, tons. And same with title companies for and sure. real estate agents and all these things. What what would you say is kind of the general difference between some of those companies or something, a bit of information that a, somebody listening to this podcast might pick up from a piece of advice on how you look at mortgage companies? How you, I guess, you know, within the mortgage companies, everybody wants to give a great experience, just like you guys do when you do yeah. here at Title One, you know. Um, the differences you probably want to look at is more of the individual you're talking about, you're talking to, you know, what's their internal setup? You know, how quickly are they responding back to you? Are they just responding via text message? Uh, do they have somebody backing them up like a team to be able to say, hey, even if I'm out of the office or Whatever it might be, you can call my teammate and they can answer some questions for you. Um, and that's kind of the internal factor and how quickly, how smoothly can they get things done. Um, I think that's really, really important. Not just for the client, but also for the agent who also needs to be informed of yeah. kind of what's going on. You know, I'm, I'm really big on Scott's my client. He's under contract. He's dealing with me. Hey, I'm going to give Scott a minimum of, of a call once a week to give him an update. And I'm going to do the same thing with his agent. But you know what, Scott? You've got my phone number. You can call me and text me. You can email me. You can come visit me at my office. You can send your pigeon. Whatever you want to do, we're going to figure out a way to <laughs> stay in contact. Pigeon, you can yeah. Send your pigeon. You know what I mean? That's Scott's <laughs> pigeon right there. Got to answer him quick. Um, so that's kind of the internal factor. I mean, in regards to overall as a as a as a as an entity or a, a mortgage company, I think it's what kind of products do they do they offer? What's the difference in? I mean, uh, like let's let's kind of break down a credit union, a bank, and a and a mortgage company sure. what, what's the difference between those three if somebody's looking to and they can get a loan they for can, a house for on sure. any of those mm -hmm. right for sure definitely. so what's the what's the what's the difference between those three you know it's funny you asked that because i have the experience of working for a bank mm -hmm. so i can kind of give some good information the thing with uh, our experience with our bank that we worked for was great company mm -hmm. um was a bank is a bank um they wanted to get in the mortgage field and they did and we were part of that group now they kept their guidelines for that particular company or bank a little bit tighter than the normal industry or mortgage company. And what I mean by that is there's, if, if the uh, underwriting manager didn't like a certain Scott's um, debt to income ratio yeah. or he overlooked or he was looking at the credit report and he didn't like that, he could easily stop that file from moving forward. And it's unfortunate, but that, that, that happens, you know, and mm -hmm. that, that can happen. Now, what I do like about a bank is they have usually really, really good rates, well, better than a mortgage, better than a mortgage company like us. Um, they just don't have some overlays in regards to getting their hands on the money, so they they have a little bit better of of, uh, of rates. And I tell that to people all the time. Now, the thing is, um, can they close on time? Will mm -hmm. they communicate? Because remember, banks are open what nine to five. Yeah. 
and the drive through maybe on Saturdays from nine to two. Yeah. So I'm I'm around after seven. I was in the call with the guy yesterday <laughs> at seven o'clock. Yeah. yeah. Um, I go to work for my office usually every Saturday. I go to work for at least four to five hours. And trust me, my wife hates it, but she knows that I'm it's I'm doing my thing. It's yeah. part of the part of the gig. And yeah, sure. If I have to do some work on Sundays, I'm willing to do that too to get back to Scott and some of my people that I work with, they're busy Monday through Saturday and they call me on Sundays and I'll You'll pick up and pick up and take some time with them. So um, that's kind of a little bit about that. I mean, the mortgage companies are great because mortgage companies, we have a bigger reach in regards to products. Hey, you know what? The For example, our company is a California-based company, but mm-hmm. we have a, a branch out here in Riverton. The biggest thing about them is that they are California-based. We all know the California values are much higher right. than here. You need a special type of loan for that. You need some type of special jumbo loan for those values or those numbers that now that trickles down over here to us that we have such a pool of investors of, of jumbo loan people that I can offer that now because that's where we're headed. We're headed with those values going up. I know. You yeah. Know? The jumbo loan. What's it, it at now? I mean, anything over 650 is going to be considered a jumbo loan. Yeah. You know what I mean? A, yeah. On an on a, on a actual loan. So I can offer that where the bank or credit union might not be able to offer those programs or minimal ones or they want Scott to be at 800 credit score yeah. with 20% down, 36 months of reserves. And maybe the um, the local mortgage companies, they offer one or three products where I offer 10 to 15. Oh, oh nice. That's a big difference. That is a big That's difference. a big difference. You know? Well, and the, the I, I think what happens, or I would say a misconception out there sometimes is that people go to a bank and they get denied. Sure. And they think, I can't do nothing. I can't do anything. Exactly. So I'm, sh- I'm, I'm done. Mm-hmm. But they can. They can, for sure, 100%. Because a lot of bank- banks will go, okay, Scott, I've looked at your credit, looked at your income, I looked at what you're bringing in. Your credit is below our tier, uh, so we can't move you forward. Or I just don't like the way the work set up. You worked at Title I for a year, and mm-hmm. you, you worked at uh, ABC yeah. uh, inspections for another year. I just don't like that setup. I don't like the way the income sets. So you know what? Be on your way and call us when you take, when you fix things. Like the yeah, doctor, yeah. call us to pill and call me in the morning. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But we're more, I honestly, I, you know, we talked about this with my team not too long ago at our uh, meeting that we have every Wednesday as a team. And I just don't think we know any better. And what yeah. I mean by that is we look at Scott's deal and we go, and I look at the four pillars of a mortgage, like right. with a podcast, credit, right. income, and assets. And even if it's a little bit jumbled, I can look at it and go, there's a deal here. Mm-hmm. I might need to roll up my sleeves and work a little hard and ask Scott some more questions and dig into who he is a little bit more. But there's a deal here to be had. And trust me, we've worked out some deals where we're like, oh yeah, this that was a toughie and nobody else didn't take it on, but we did. Well, and I, you know, I, I remember from speaking to another lender at one time that I and correct me if I'm wrong, you know, they they someone got turned or some you could get turned down for an FHA loan at an institution, but but it an FHA loan could be approved. At another institution. Sure, 100%. But I think most people think in their mind, uh, this is an FHA, it's a government, mm-hmm. you know, and th- I got turned down. Therefore, sure. I can't yeah, do this. Exactly. Uh, but they do have options. They do have, every, everybody has a little bit of different guidelines. Mm-hmm. There's a, so there's they, a should shop, they should they shop should, around. If they if they get, yeah, why not? Yeah. yeah, if they get turned down, go to another one. Maybe I give you, a, maybe you're not my client, but I give you a tip to go back to the other. I mean, I've done it twice already in the last since the beginning of the year that I can think of. One gal, she was a referral from another client that I worked with and she called me. She said, hey, my lender's having problems. Mm-hmm. My friend told me to call you. She told me her story and literally I was think I was getting ready for work while I was talking to her with my AirPods on and I said, I think, have they looked at this, 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 and that? She goes, I don't think so, but let me ask her, boom, boom, boom. She called me. I followed up with her a couple of days later. She goes, I think we got it resolved. But I know that got resolved because of the tips that I gave her. Yeah, I'm I nice. know that. Yeah, I, I talked to a guy this week. Same thing. Hey, I want to get approved for this eight nine hundred thousand dollar home, and um, here's my situation. I said, "Look, man, your lender hasn't looked at the bankruptcy, haven't looked at the payment, haven't looked at this. I guarantee you, there's problems he hasn't looked at." Well, that's interesting because uh, you know I I really do believe it's a mis um, misconceived or um, ill conceived idea that you get turned out at a bank that you're you're done you're done. Mm-hmm. But uh, but you're saying they should. Plow forward. Go sure. on. 
you know, why make, not make other make other contacts and you know, sure, such why as not? A, yeah, a figure, figure it out. Turn it by your bank. Mm-hmm. Uh, go to somebody like yourself. And remember, uh, the banks doing credit cards, car loans, mortgages, yeah, personal loans. They're not focusing just on one thing. We focus just on the mortgage, and that's it. Tell me uh, again, and I'm going to come back to to the. Uh, uh, your your uh, son who's deaf. So definitely, uh, yeah. I'll come back to that sure. in, in a bit. But um, I think you, quickly, can you go over the four pillars that you went over when we had the other podcast? For sure, for sure. The four pillars of a mortgage that I call it, or the basic foundation of uh, mortgage, are credit, and that's always my number one stop. Income or your work history, assets, how much money are you bringing in, or do I need to figure out a program? And then from there, those three things. Is your plan? I can wrap those three things and figure out. Scott, you're ready to go right mm-hmm. now, and I grade all my people as A, B, C, and D. A, somebody ready to go. A B, somebody who's almost there, maybe three months away. Uh, a C is maybe somebody who's about six to twelve months out, and a D is somebody who probably needs about 20, 12 to twenty four months. Those are, and I again, I would recommend people go to your other podcasts that you had with us and look up those four pillars because you go into it at length. Let me touch real quick here on your uh, son. Sure. So, please. what what is the how big is the community the the sign language or deaf community mm-hmm. here in the Salt Lake area? Number wise, I can't tell you, Scott, because I don't know, but I know it is not a big community. It's mm-hmm. pretty small. They're pretty tight knit. Um, if you if one deaf person usually knows most of the community. Uh, and the community is pretty awesome because it, it, it spans all the way from Logan all the way down to St. George. Uh-huh. The main school for the deaf is up in Ogden. Uh, there's another small school over here in Mill Creek. That's part of the Salt Lake School. And that's where my son went. And I'm and I'm happy to say that they've recently, in the last couple of years, built a whole new facility for them there. And we've been in oh, there a couple of times to yeah. see some programs and just uh, support the cause. And um, it's, it's super cool to see that they've uh, given back because... For many years, it was a struggle to to get some funding or budgeting for mm-hmm. their for their uh, education or getting a building for their needs and stuff like that. And and I wish that my son was a little bit younger because I wish he could go to the new school that was built for them. Uh, I think that would have been a great experience for him. But overall, like I said, the community is not that big. Uh, great people. If you ever see somebody out there who you see them signing and and they don't speak please don't shy away please go out there and just say hello use your phone to to communicate back and forth oh, with yeah. them sure mm-hmm. uh some of them are able to are harder hearing so they can hear a little bit and speak so please make a friend with the deaf people and welcome into your family or your circle because they are some great amazing people yeah now i you know and it- I, I know we all love our children when they're born. It doesn't matter what disabilities they're born with. Of mm-hmm. course, different disabilities present different challenges. Sure. Uh, challenges on families, challenges on marriage, sure. challenges mm-hmm. on the, the whole social structure. The whole thing, man, from, from um, top to bottom. Yeah. For anybody who might be going through and it doesn't necessarily have to be in the deaf community, but there are a lot of different types sure. of disabilities Hunter, out there. Mm-hmm. Lots of them. Uh, do you have any kind of piece of advice for them as they're going through? I mean, I know you've still got your son, but he's 25 now. Sure, sure. Um as a parent, yeah, fockerize them. You know what that means? No. You ever seen Meet the Fockers or Meet the Parents? <laughs> oh, yeah, I have. <laughs> now that you said that, yeah. So I've always, ever since I saw that movie, I was and and uh, always, I, I that always stuck with me. The fockerizing. What that means? You just gotta <laughs> love. You gotta hug them. You gotta kiss them, and just let them know you're there, man. My 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 kid comes over to the house and eats dinner or whatever. I make sure I always give him a kiss or just yeah. hug him and. The other day, we were just, he was on the couch just watching uh, the NBA playoffs, and I just sat next to him, and I just held him like he was still a little kid for a minute, and maybe he likes it, maybe he doesn't, but <laughs> it does me good. You know what I mean? It does you good, Because yeah. I just, I love all my all my kids, and uh, I'll, do, I'll do whatever I can for any of them, and that's just, I fuckerize them, man. It's like it or not. Interesting. And, and, you know, and I know it presents different challenges because I had one, one of my sons who had a, uh, a disability more sure. on the, the uh, emotional or I should say, you know, like uh, obsessive compulsive. Gotcha. And it's, it's difficult sometimes to get other people to understand what exactly you're going through. A hundred percent. And, oh, and yeah. how it is a, a challenge both for the child and for mm-hmm. the parent. They're not in your shoes. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. And sometimes they have a tendency to make I don't. I don't know if I want to make, say make judgments. I think they make. That's the right word. Yeah, That's they the make right judgments they based upon being on the outside, but they they don't see really what's going on on a, on a daily basis. Yeah. And most of the time, I find those judgments to have been rough. Yeah. No. I mean, you took the words right out of the, my mouth. Right? From the outside looking in, they want to make judgments of why you should do it this way, or yeah. why don't they do this this way, and. 
you know, it's a matter of educating them and saying, well, you got to think of it like this. Yeah. You got to see it from their point of view or from my point of view of why I didn't do it like this, you know? And, you know, one of my things growing up, uh, my son's name's Anthony. Is, uh, you know, I, I, I sometimes think to myself, did I hold Anthony back a little bit? Because I was always like, trying I fatherized him. him. Yeah, yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? I was trying to protect him. I always say that I was his ears. Yeah. And uh, if I, I remember we used to, at his grandma's, she lives uh, South Salt Lake over on 3rd East and it's a busy street. And we'd be out there. He has a cousin who's six months older. So I call him the, the, the two boys that I literally saw these two boys be born. And I was always in the sports. So I'd always go out there and throw the ball around with them, football yeah. and stuff like that. And they both loved it. And I used to hate when people would drive by really fast. I'd take the Nerf football and throw it at the car <laughs> if I could. Just because, I mean, I was always trying to protect him, you know, yeah. and, and Nobody ever, the cars, I never, I don't know if I ever hit a car or did a car never stop, but if they would have, I would have explained to them. They yeah. might've been upset, but I would be like, look, dude, I'm just trying to protect my kid that sure. you don't know that he's deaf because you don't, even if you saw him, you wouldn't know that he's deaf. Yeah, you deaf. wouldn't know it. Yeah. But that's from the outside looking in because people don't know the things that we go through as parents yeah. or as advocates, even for those disabilities or for those communities that we uh, were, we're close to because it impacts us every day. Yeah, and I'm I'm sure that uh, like yourself, uh, you know, different different types of disabilities parents deal with. But if you're put in that situation, I think a lot of times you you should anyway come out a better person. Yeah, less judgmental about other people, uh, less judgmental about what kids are doing and whether parents should be doing something different. Sure. I would have people sometimes catch yourself say, maybe thinking, yeah, yeah. You know, you're mm -hmm. thinking, ah, you know, I would do this, you know, uh, you know, maybe this kid needs to be paddled or whatever for sure you know right. what yeah. yeah and uh and then i would catch myself and think you know hey look i don't know what's going on yeah uh you know it's just not um it's not an easy job being a parent no it's not i mean and you know what it's not like when you have the kid like the doctor's like hey here's your baby in a parenting book yeah right you know or the parenting steps you know there's a blueprint like it's just kind of trial by error you know and yeah. and, and <laughs> you have to educate yourself or you, you educate yourself every day a little bit of how to handle situations and you know, what you're saying about being judgmental, I think it's just part of human nature that yeah. we're just a little bit judgmental in regards to what we do, who we are, and how we see other people. But sometimes, like I said, you just got to let people know, hey, this is kind of the situation. Or you just got to take a step back and be like, you know what? I I don't I don't know what they're feeling they're or doing. You know, going I, through. I'm, I'm just going to be the try to be as best as I can towards yeah. them or for them and support yeah. whatever cause. If I asked you to name uh, three people that have had the most powerful influence for good in your life, who would that be? Three people, um, man, the list is longer than three for me. Um, and I'll kind of explain why I say that is because I was uh, raised by my mom mm -hmm. for so many years. So the impacts of who I am came from her. Yeah. So the list goes on because there's been so many people that have influenced me from people like yourself, even yourself that we don't know each other a long time, but yeah. I just seeing you, how you carry yourself and how, you, how I can tell you have a great history of just being a people person. Like that's an impact on me to be able to hopefully be as um, polished as you are, you know, well, <laughs> things of that matter. No, well, really, man, I mean that. I really do mean that, man. <laughs> well, thank you. But the top three people, I would have the same number. My number one probably is my mom. Sure. Uh, yeah. She raised me, so she- Is she still uh, living? Yeah, she is. Yeah. Uh -huh. She's still living. Oh, um, I'm 80 years old, but she's still there, and she calls. She's probably blowing up my phone right now to call her <laughs> for lunch. Um, still in there, still loving me. I'm her only child, so she fuckerized me before yeah. that even term came about. So my mom's my number one. She's my number one fan. She's my number one advocate. She's my, she does everything and anything possibly for me, you know? Um, and then this other person came into my life 12 years ago and we meet people in, in, uh, in our times and we don't realize the impact they're going to have for us. Yeah. Um, but my wife, she's, she's been a huge person in my life that she's pushed me sometimes, but I don't know she's pushing me. And I realized, oh man, she, she kind of pushed me into stuff that I didn't know. You know what I mean? And she motivates me without her knowing that she motivates me that I try to be a better person every, each and every single time and, and, um, just be better. You know, yeah, sure. we have a baby, uh, now it's two years old and I look at him and I look at her and I look at their little bond and I think, man, that kid's happy a lot because of her, but he's happy because of me. But I know that I'm happy because of both of them. Sure. So that's been a big one too. And then number three, man, number three is my kids, but my son Anthony's really been a motivating factor. Uh, mm -hmm. He'll, he'll uh, I hate to say, I, I'll say this, but he'll never hear this. He'll never hear this, Scott. He'll never yeah. hear this, but I know that 
he knows that I love him to death, man. That's, that's my, that's my dude, man. Yeah. Like that's, that's my guy. And, and, um, when they say you take a bullet for your kid, man, I'd, t- I'd take whatever torture you would give me for that dude. And for any of my boys. Yeah, sure. But that dude, man, like he, he I was a, I was a, I was a kid raising a kid and he, he doesn't know this, but he helped, he helped raise me in a way. So that's, that's my, <laughs> well, that's, my top uh, you know, and I love so much, uh, uh, hearing that kind of thing because again, it, it, it but the list goes long. The list, I know the list Scott. would the be, I know, like, I could, I'm sure I it could go on much and on. I think we're out of tape if I go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, the, 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 the wonderful thing about, uh, what you've, what you've said is that I think all of us, if we examine our lives and, and, you know, some of us come from different backgrounds as far as, you know family and whatnot but in general there's usually some family member that is had a tremendous impact for good mm-hmm. and that influence is felt from your mother for instance sure for generations sure and you know what scott i'm gonna add a fourth person in there and i don't know if he's number four or maybe number number 10 or number seven and right now uh it's ex- ex- part of my french but he's on my my S list, you know what I mean? A little bit. Um, I have a cousin who's about 12 years older than me, but yeah. he's more like an older brother. And uh, he's the godfather to my to my uh, baby that we have now. But um, he has been a big influence in my life because I'm he's the only older brother figure that I ever had. Yeah. And um, I remember as a kid, he'd take me to go get pizza and he'd, We'd go to his house and we'd listen to records. Um, I mean, one of the records I remember was a Michael Jackson record, Thriller. Thriller. Listen to that yeah. over and over. Uh, I didn't realize my love for the for the band Journey until I was a little bit older because he showed that to me. Mm-hmm. We'd we'd Saturday nights we'd go get we'd rent movies. Remember you go to yeah, the movie place and get movies, yeah. blockbuster and stuff like that. And we'd go get movies and and then he had his family and I saw what kind of a loving dad he is to so his two daughters and. And um, he, his mom is my mom's sister, and he he basically take care of, takes care of two homes. So I see how hard he works. He's the language director over at Juan Diego. So he's mm-hmm. made himself, and he came here as an illegal. He did. He came here as an illegal person at 18 years old, and he's made his life. Uh, he's made a great life for himself. And he, I always saw that from a, from a, from the outside looking in. And he was a big influence in my life, and and. Um, I, I feel like I've told him this before, and hopefully he always remembers that. Man, I've got nothing but mad respect and mad love for that guy because he's been a big influence in my life too. Well, that's a that's a great story too because I know you know the you know we have the what you might term you know, illegals that come in, but I, I think given a chance, most of them are 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 searching for the, their dreams, the American dream, sure, which is man. to be able to have your own business, be a businessman, uh, or, or if you don't want to be a businessman, a carpenter or a whatever, you know, plumber, you whatever, be, right? whatever yeah, you want to exactly. be. It's just a great mm-hmm. thing. Sure. I've always, I mean, there's a lot of controversy over all these immigration issues, but behind it all, there's humans. It's another podcast. That's another podcast. <laughs> That's for another podcast. That's another podcast. <laughs> yes, and that could go on for a yeah. while. But but we're all humans in this world. And uh, that's it, the number one race. We're not, we're all humans. Yes. We might have a different color or different yep. eye shape or whatever might be a different hair color, but number one, we're all humans. I don't think there's anything, I don't know what it is. I mean, I, I, I have my opinions, but of course. when you help somebody else out in any way, shape or form, I don't know about you, but I always feel warm inside. For sure. 100%. You know, you just feel yeah. that. And it, it's almost a reward. It, it you is. could get nothing else out of it, mm-hmm. you know, it from business or anything else. For sure. But, you know, you go to sleep and you just go, I helped somebody. Yeah, you know, and sometimes it's just that moment of impact when you're like, realize that you're helping somebody. Yeah. Or maybe, like you said, you get home, you're like, man, I really helped. I really helped change people's lives. You know, one of my affirmations that I say is that I am making people wealthy through real estate. Mm-hmm. Like I know that I'm changing some lives. I know that I'm impacting some lives, and I know that these lives, hopefully, they've had a great experience. And most of them will tell us, "Man, I've had a great experience." That they're going to remember us. And a lot of my business is referral business and return clients. Yeah, because we do do a good job, and um, you know, we've helped out the Hispanic community. I've got a couple of brothers who are from Vietnam that they don't speak a lot of English. A lot of communication is through text message, but they communicate really, really well. And they've had great experiences. I'm recently, I'm right now, I'm helping out a guy from 
Burundi. Do you know where Burundi's at? I, I've never heard of Burundi. No, I don't know if you saw. Is, that, my, is it around India? No, no, no. It's a little, little country that is east of the Republic Republic of Congo. Oh, really? Yeah. I mean, it's a little, little country, and he's a super nice guy, and he works two full time jobs, and we're trying to get him into a home. And I mean, those are the people that I know that I impact their lives. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I know that I impact everybody's lives one way or another because if you were renting and I got you in that, and I was able to help facilitate get you in a home. No matter what you are, no matter what language you are, no matter what race you are, I know that I made a little bit of impact in your life. You know, one of the the um, mottos that we have here is securing a house for your home. And the, the background of that is, I mean, people say, well, what does that mean? Securing mm-hmm. a house for your home. The whole industry, real estate industry, is securing a house for someone's home. And where that came from was it was an old radio show back in the 50s. Art Linkletter was the guy's name. And he had a show called uh, Kids Say the Darndest Things. Later, it was picked up and was on TV with a couple other hosts and whatnot. Sure. But back in this uh, this particular episode, he asked a kid, where do you live? And this little seven-year-old boy said, well, we're in a hotel right now. And he says, oh, so you you don't have a home. And he says, oh, no, Mr. Linkletter, we have a home. We just need a house to put it in. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, the— I've the, heard that, and I think I heard it from you. You possibly might mm-hmm. have. I, uh, I love that um, little— saying because that's really what the mortgage industry is about, real estate's about, titles about, and anybody else. Mm-hmm. Yeah, is providing a, a, a secure place for people to bring their home to. And their home is usually always their loved ones. Sure. Family, for sure. Themselves. You know, that kind of thing. Themselves. Themselves. Yeah, I mean exactly. first and foremost, I think you got to take care of you and then you can take care of everybody else around you. And if you can feel good about going home, mm-hmm. Scott at night and you feel good about that, you can kick off your shoes and is a, if it's read a book or take a shower or watch the game, whatever it is, and you feel good, you can make everybody else around you feel good. So what do you think has been kind of the driving factors behind your success? Just being me. Yeah. Being me. Part of being me is that I love to learn. I love to learn and I love to be able to be knowledgeable and be able to be able to, be able to speak to people and be able to leave them, like I said, a little bit better, give them a little bit of knowledge mm-hmm. and be able to say, hey, man, have you looked at this? Have you thought of this? I, I'm not, I'm, I never sit here and be like, oh, I'm the expert of the mortgage industry because I know there's guys out there that will run races against me, uh, around me. Yeah. But I know that those guys that can run around me, I can run around them in a, in a different way. Yeah. And it's, usually it's this. Yeah. This where I can sit people down and I make people feel comfortable. Well, you do. You, and I, you, you know, feel comfortable oh, chatting with me, right? Absolutely. And positively. I, and I feel comfortable. I've asked you people. back because I felt so comfortable Thanks, with man, you. We went to it. lunch one time. Yes, and, we did. Uh-huh. And, uh, Great lunch, by the way. Uh, yeah, we're, we're, we're going to have go to do it again. Yes, sir. <laughs> yes, sir. But that's one thing about me is like some people might be able to run numbers and they're really good at their systems and their process and this and that. And that's all fine and dandy. But if you can't make that person feel comfortable and connect with them, yeah, bro, you got a problem. What would you? What would your advice be to somebody who is looking to get into the mortgage industry? Uh, you know, a new kid, Call eighteen, me. nineteen. Call me. I'll, I'll chat with you. You'll chat with them yeah. and tell them what what yeah. what what they can do in yeah. order to kind of. Are there barriers in the way that they need to get around, or is it just pure grit of trying to? There's work always hard? a barrier, my friend. And yeah, the bar- and the barrier that people have is between their ears. Mm-hmm. It, it can. It, are you mentally ready? to really grind for yourself? Are you mentally ready to really put things in perspective and do this for yourself or on your own? Are you, are, are you? Because, you know, you, you can, you can, you can do anything really if you put your mind to it and effort because first comes the mindset and you got to put in the effort to do it and just being able to be like, okay, what's my mindset? Am I going to be able to be somebody who wants to learn is, is going to learn is going to yeah. kind of listen and kind of tweak. Um, Scott's going to teach me a couple things. He's going to teach me 10 things. Am I willing to take eight or seven and mm-hmm. make those better or build on top of those? Because I'm the type of person to always have been, Scott, that no matter if I was working on my own or for somebody, but if they came to me and be like, look, this is how I do it. And I believe in that way because I can see that they've had success and mm-hmm. I'm going to do it. But if you go, hey, do it this way. But I look like, man, this Scott guy, he's, he's a chump, man. He's not doing it. He, yeah. he doesn't even do what he's saying. Right. Like, why would I listen to you? But when I go to work for somebody or work with somebody and I go, that person's had success and I know they know what they're talking about, bring it. What, what else do you have for me? You recommend a book I should read? Perfect. You got to recommend a podcast? I'll do it. Yeah. You recommend I write this, do it this way instead of this way? Excellent. 
Let, let, let's, let's check it out. Well, that's a good uh, a good attitude because uh, honestly, in the business world, sometimes what I see is a lot of, for lack of a better term, a hubris. You know, people thinking they know everything. Sure. And so, and even if you've been in the business for a long time, there's, there's always, always something. Learn, there's always something, something to learn. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. and there and there's nothing wrong with learning something from somebody who's been in business for three years and you've been in business for thirty years. For sure. And they come up with a better idea, and you say, "Huh, okay." I can incorporate that instead of 100%. that guy didn't. You know, my branch manager has been in the game for 25 years. And I always tell him uh, if there was um, a World Series of mortgage, mm-hmm. like you putting the best lenders to get in front of like, hey, here's a deal. I need you to piece this together. Like that dude, would, he'd be in the running to win every single year. Like that's how much respect I have for him because he knows the ins and outs. of, But even him, after being in the game 25 years, the last couple of years, we both involved with the coaching program mm-hmm. that we really um, has helped us grow. And I know that he's been able to develop his game more because he's been open to that. He's been open to saying, hey, you know what? I'm going to take this program and I'm going to add it to my all my knowledge that I have and I'm mm-hmm. going to add it and I'm going to grow it a little bit different now. I'm going to kind of reinvent myself. And I think sometimes it's important to kind of reinvent ourselves, but those reinventions come with new ideas that other people are providing to us that are also doing it in our field or just kind of tweaking things. Yeah. Would you recommend that for a new agent? Would you get a coach? hundred percent. Yeah. Don't they say, they say the greatest, the greatest in the world are coached, the Tiger Woods, the Michael Jordans, the Tony, even Tony Robbins is coached. Yeah. Right. There, there is always something to learn. For that's, sure. That's definitely uh, For sure. something I've learned myself also in business is, you know, keep your eyes and ears open. Mm-hmm. There's, there's always another way of doing something better, mm-hmm. but you have to be willing to change. Yeah, 100%. You know, and if, if that, and if, if that program's not working for you, that coach's not working for you, I guess you could find a different. And I mean, there's so many me- methods of being coached. If you can be self-coached mm-hmm. by reading and listening to podcasts. You can be coached because you're involved in some other program or individual. I mean, I think there's just so many ways of being able to be coached or meeting. Hey, I'm going to meet with Scott once a month or, you know, every other quarter. And he doesn't know, but I'm picking his brain. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent ideas. Um, what other things, what, what, what haven't we touched on that you would like to touch on a question that you'd like for me to ask you? Um, what other things about me, Scott, um, can I tell you, uh, like I told you before, I, don't I mean, know you know, you, you have your sports background. I, I, Got my, I love sports. Yeah, I, I, do too, I, I love know. sports. I grew up playing sports, you know, baseball, football, basketball. Those are my main ones. Mm-hmm. Basketball is my love. Always has been. I haven't played in years, but I, I need to go back out there and play. And I go to the gym at least three times a week and I, and I go in, uh, I shoot hoops just by myself. <laughs> Your body, the body Three, two, doesn't one, respond swoosh, quite you know the what same. Mean? Exactly. It doesn't, you know what I mean? But I still, I'm still like, man, I, I think my body's still good enough to go back out there and play. Well, you're game. in buff shape, man. Well, thanks, man. I try to get to the gym, gym at least three times a week. That's another big part of my life that I, I always grew up being active and in, in playing sports. And I remember one time I ran into this guy who used to kind of help us out over at the Central City uh, Rec Center downtown by the uh, library. So I always say that I'm from the Central City area because that's our <laughs> little spot. Yeah. So shout out to the Central City guys. You guys know who you are out there. Anyways, I ran into this guy later on in life and uh, I always remember he was just a big buff dude. You know what I mean? And I talked to him and then Renee and I go, what's up, Renee? How you been, man? I go, you still looking good? You know, still trying to get those cuts and stuff. He goes, it's not about that, man. He goes, it's all about the heart. You got to yeah. keep healthy for that heart. And that stuck with me. Just like the Fakarai's part stuck mm-hmm. with me. And I'm always like, I got to stay I got to stay active. I got to stay good for myself and be able to have the energy to come hang out with Scott and talk to yeah. him, hang out with my kids and do stuff like that. Especially now that we have a two-year-old, I want to, I want to, I can't, oh I know, right? I cannot <laughs> wait to be able to coach him up. I cannot wait till I, I developed my older son, Anthony, to be a basketball player. And this one, I'm going to develop to be a baseball player. A baseball, huh? I'm going to, he's, he's going to be a what second position? Base, second, second baseman? Base, second base. I already got to plan it out for him. I love it. Well, you know, it's, I'm a huge baseball fan. I have four sons of myself. And I was driving by a field the other day. And I remember when I was uh, coaching my boys, uh, you know, I would, you know, I practically spent all summer long for years and years yeah. coaching them. And uh, and I remember I was so exhausted with it all that when it was over, I said, oh, wow, they're, they're finally out and they're into the high school level and, you know, that kind of thing. But it didn't take very long before I missed it. And I'd pass by a field Heck, yeah. the other day and there were, there's like, like seven-year-olds out there. And I mm-hmm. said to my wife, Gosh, I sure miss that, you know, being able to to uh, 
teach. And, you know, athletics is a lot motivate. about principles, literally. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You motivate them? Yeah, you motivate. Yeah. I, my uh, my 14-year-old, he, um, he was playing junior jazz, and my wife tried to sign me up to help them coach, but for some reason they went with another dad who was coaching. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I think he's been coaching for a while with, through the league. Anyways, they had a... They had a week that uh, the guy sent on a text says, "Hey, I think I got the I got the vid. Can anybody jump in?" And my wife goes, "You want to do it?" And I go, "Sure." So she sent a text that I would do it. So I showed up, and the kids had a one a game. So it was um, I got them in there. I didn't know any of the kids, and and uh, I'd been to a couple of the games. So I was like, "Oh, the kids need to do this." You know what I mean? I was coaching from the <laughs> sideline. A yeah, yeah. So, anyways, long story short, I uh, we won our first game, and. Um, I was super just happy to motivate him and just being there. And I remember I lost my voice because I was yelling at them and trying to tell them <laughs> what to do. But it was super fun, super awesome. So I missed doing the coaching because I coached my son, Anthony, and a couple other deaf kids uh, yeah. for many years. And some of those kids I've helped home by. So yeah, is that really right? cool. Yeah. Oh, and, um, you know, kind of like you sometimes, and I've, I haven't done this lately because it hasn't been, um, hasn't been the warm season, but usually in the warm season is – if there's a game going on, like a baseball game, I'll pull over for a little bit and go watch. Yeah. I'll just go watch the kids just enjoying themselves. Or it kind of brings a warm feeling. It to does, heart, man. It? I don't know about it, but it's that warm weather, warm feeling, summertime, where I'll just jump out and I'll go watch the game for 10 minutes. Well, you know, it's minutes. kind of funny. I had a guy ask me one time. He was not into athletics at all, and he knew I was into it big time with, with uh, all kinds of different sports. And he said to me, and I had four sons, and he said to me, he says, I, I don't get this athletic thing. He says, you know, it's just a game and, you know, kind of thing. And I said, it's not just a game. It's 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 about the principles that are behind it and also being able to share something with your children. I mean, you can talk to them about school and, you know, all these things, you know, they're all a little more boring. But th- these are opportunities for you to be able to have real life experiences. Sure. And um, they're found inside in in tiny moments. Sure. In a game. I'll give you one real quick here. Please. I, don't know, I had my oldest son, he was eight years old, and he was pitching and it was the last game of the season and we were on the verge of losing. The bases were loaded. There was two outs and the gotcha. best hitter in the team, mm-hmm. uh, the best hitter on their team was up. Okay. And uh, assistant coach leans over to me. I was kind of yelling around and he says, hey, your son's crying on the mound. And so I come out and I go out to the mound, and I said, what's the matter? And he says, I can't get this guy out. I'll never get him out. And I said, well, I need somebody who can. And I just reached my hand out. You know, he had little tears rolling down, and it seems kind of gruff. And I reached my hand out like this, and, you know, he had the ball in his hand, and he just looks up at me with his big eyes, and he goes, I, I can do it, Dad. Good. And I said, okay, great, wonderful. And so I went back, and the kid just roped one, but it happened to be right at our shortstop, and it ended the game, and we won. But that lesson of, you know, listen, you have to believe uh, you can do something. If you don't believe you can do it, then we need somebody who can. Mm -hmm. And he's always remembered that lesson. Sure. It it seemed a little rough at the time. You know, sometimes as a father, you know, you can be a little rough. But but there's so many lessons to be learned there. Yeah, you know, even I I dig back in those lessons nowadays, my son Anthony. Mm -hmm. I'll dig back and be like, remember when we used to practice? Remember when we were kids and sometimes we were down? I'd be like, that's just the way sports and life is. You got to get back up and you got to keep practicing. You got to keep trying. You got to keep doing. You know, one of the things that I used to do with the kids is I love basketball, like I told you, but I figured out even for myself at a young age and even as these kids growing up that most kids couldn't dribble with two hands. Mm -hmm. So I would pound it into their mind that they got to dribble. Coach, I can't. Well, you can try. Yeah. So my kids became the best kids who could dribble both-handed. They could lay up the ball right-handed, left-handed. And I would just pound those basics into them. But then I can, now, even with my older son, some of these kids, I can revert back to those little things that I know there were lessons that I can that I push him. And I remember when we did this, same thing now. You yeah. got to do that. You know, even myself, I like to yoga once in a while. Mm-hmm. and uh, once in a while we'll go to the hot yoga and that hot yoga I don't know if you've ever done it but man that is a no. challenge and uh, the, the teacher will be talking to you and they'll be telling you focus on focus on yourself in the mirror even if you can't hold the pose and you get back into it and sometimes I just take that mentality of that the yoga has taught me and bring it to my daily life or I'm, maybe I can't focus for a minute but I just let it focus on what I need to let it go and bring yeah. it back you know just you know, little things like that. So uh, sports teaches you so many principles and so many little things that I think the principles are different for everybody, but you, it, the one principle is can you revert back to it and help you out in life? Yes. Yeah. 
I have. In fact, I, I had a, a high school baseball coach that was legendary in our state as far as winning. And he, he would win because he was a taskmaster. He wanted everything done right. So you awesome. had to do it right. And um, he didn't allow for you to do it less than 100%. And because of that, um, you, you won most of the time because there were other coaches that weren't doing that. Sure. And I always remembered that. And even though he was kind of hard a little bit, I've taken the lessons from that time. It still applies in my life. I look back on some of the, the lessons he taught, and they they are uh, real-life type of um, lessons that can be used in your 100%. relationships and everything else. Sure, I agree. I agree with you 100%. That's why sports is awesome, man. I do. I, I think love, so. I, love I, I, would, I would have loved it if the Yankees had beaten Boston last year, but that uh, that didn't happen. Hey, man, that's why it's the greatest rivalry <laughs> alive, my friend. You know, some days you win, some days we win, you know? So I literally believe it's one of the greatest rivalries <laughs> it is. in sports. It really I mean? is. I always look forward to it. Yeah, a I do game. too. And I was, in fact, I... Now, have uh, you been to a, a Red Sox-Yankees game? No. Um... Well, no, because New York and in Boston, I lived in Baltimore, so I would always see, you know, the Yankees would come down to uh, Baltimore, Baltimore or Bal Doros, Boston would uh -huh. come down to Baltimore, and I'd see them. But I, I have to look the back. Never train up that. I don't know that I ever did that. I should have. You should. I should have because I was close enough. I, that's on my. Yeah, you're right. I did get to the old Yankee Stadium before they tore it down. I remember you told me that. And uh, that's super cool. And I want yeah. to get to Fenway just in case I ever. Yes. Tore it down. You know what? I've never been to Fenway. No, I haven't either. I, I need to, to get to Fenway. Yeah, I need I to. I would love to. And I have some of my kids that have been to Fenway. You know, they cool. went on, yeah, they went on different trips, you know, sure. for, for here sure. or there, and, and they've stopped into Fenway. I need to get into Fenway. Yeah, I do too. I, that's one thing that we've talked about with my wife, and I told her that I want to get to, I want to get to Boston. I haven't been there since I was a kid, so I want to get back. I want to check out a, I don't want to go in the winter. I got to go in the summer so I can go check out a Red Sox game. Well, you know, the, the, uh, my favorite memory, it's, it's interesting. In 1978, I got married to my wife and she didn't know anything about athletics. She just knew I was an avid Yankee fan. There you go. And that particular year is when, uh, you know, the Boston kind of collapsed and the Yankees came back from like 12 games out and they tied. Gotcha. And then they had that one game series in, Boston. Sure. Uh, and uh, I had to work that day. And, uh, you know, this is back in the 70s. So the game was on in the afternoon and I had sure. to work. I couldn't see the game. That sucks. And uh, so I was just so ticked off about it. And then uh, I got a phone call at work and it, they said, it's your wife. And I go, wife she never calls me at work and i pick it up and she says bucky dent just hit a three-run home run and the yankees are winning and you know the funny thing bucky is freaking yes, dead, huh? and i remember saying to myself what a woman you know that she called me up and now whenever i see bucky dent running running around the bases i always see my wife you know that's in, awesome in, man in, in that memory you know and those are some of the great things that happen see that's sports again that is sports again see how that 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 moment in time brings you back maybe to the game but also adds on yeah. to your to your my to wife. Your wife you know yeah. what i mean and that's sports again man it's the connection of like oh, i remember that but i remember this part too that yeah. gives you a happy that feeling feeling you know yeah, what i mean absolutely that's awesome man that's yeah. a cool story it's kind of funny that's a cool story <laughs> anyway. i'd love that okay. well tony thank you so much for being here on the podcast today Thanks, i've man. had a great time really was, i always enjoy uh our conversations because they just seem so um genuine Definitely. um and you just seem like a genuinely good person and that's i try that, man. That, that's the most important thing yeah Don't go down the river of life unnoticed by being a tugboat. Get educated at www.askusutah.com. Everyone can be a showboat. You just have to want it.